This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello, good morning, good evening, wherever you are. Good morning here from uh, California. Good evening to people in uh, Europe, in the UK. Uh, this is uh, Talking Devils. I'm in a very jolly mood today, as you can as you can hear. Um, I'm joined once again uh, by my co-host, uh, former Manchester United, centre back in current third round, awaiting the third round draw for Morecambe. Mr. Scott, Scott, how are you this week? Obviously buzzing after yesterday. Yeah, it was a it was a potential banana skin, but we managed to uh, get through it. The weather was the coldest I've ever been in my life, probably uh, up in Buxton. Apparently, it was the highest um, the highest stand or highest football club in the country where it isn't right in the middle of the country, up high in the mountains. Um, so yeah, it was absolutely freezing, windy, rainy. wasn't ideal, but yeah, we managed to get the win and um, through to the next round. So as you said, then anything can happen. Um, so bring on! Come on! Yeah, that'd be lovely, wouldn't it? <clears throat> number forty-eight. I was watching today. That's that's your, that's the ball number you have. I think you know yeah. they're like forty-seven, I believe, or forty-six. They're in around the forty. So okay. I, I want a Manchester United uh, uh, Morecambe uh, game at Old Trafford. How great would that be? Yeah, that'd be uh, that'd be great. It'd be superb. <laughs> Anyway, speaking of Manchester United, one of the reasons why we're here, um, Manchester United won, Crystal Palace nil. Uh, I want to I want to talk about that game in a few minutes, but I wanted to just you know take a quick look back at, at the Arsenal game real quick. Manchester United three, Arsenal two. Um, Michael Carrick's last game uh, as as the interim coach until the interim interim coach came in, um, signed off in a in a great way. Uh, the problem player Ronaldo got two goals, you know. Yeah. What a terrible problem to have. Um, what did you make of... I just want to briefly talk about the Arsenal game real quick. What did you make of, of his, you know, Carrick selection? You know, there's a lot of media hype and talk about the fact that it was actually uh, Rangnick's team. Uh, we seem to play a little bit differently. Um, a, a win in the end. And Arsenal are on a high at the moment, so it's not to be laughed at, you know. Uh, we're not very good at home at the moment, so... What did you make of the overall team that day before we move on to the Crystal Palace? I mean, like I said, Ronaldo got two. Manchester United won 3-2. A little bit more pressing in that game. Fred, my favourite player, um, had, a, had a really good game. And that continued today. So, quick overview of, of the United-Arsenal game there. 
Yeah, no, I thought, like you say, I think Arsenal have been in really good form, so it was a really good win. Uh, second half, especially, I thought thought they were outstanding. Uh, Man United, the way they pressed, they had complete control of the game. <clears throat> they could have scored more, I feel. Um, yeah, I thought Fred, especially in the second half, was was brilliant. They gave it away cheaply a couple of times in the first half, but we seem to be a, a bit accustomed to that. But um, yeah, Ronaldo scores two. He, he just loves. He seems to just love that attention, doesn't he? Um, he just yeah. He, people who say he's going to be a problem, he's going to be this, he's going to be that. If he keeps producing the goods like he does, and it, it's almost like he's flipped the switch. You know, in both yeah. even in the second half of that Arsenal game, there's question marks over his pressing, and even from from myself uh, last week, can he do it? Because we he, we've never really seen him do it before. Never done it at Real Madrid, Juventus, or even in his early days at United. But yeah. you see him now. Uh, in both games today and against Arsenal, the way he was sprinting and pressing, um, it's like Ralph Ragnick just seems to flick the switch on him. Uh, interesting, you say about the same team, like you say, it makes you think that maybe he did pick that side um, in in midweek, you know, because he was he was announced, but he didn't take the game. And yet, it's been a good week, six points from six. Like you say, the home form hasn't been good. Uh, Arsenal have been in good form. Also, Crystal Palace are, are a decent side as well under Vieira. They've improved a lot off the back of the last few seasons. Um, very strange first goal, obviously in the Arsenal game with the Haya being on the floor. That was a bit of a weird one, wasn't it? Um, and I'd like to, I'd like to stop you there real quick though. Um, I I didn't see anything wrong with the goal. I'll be honest with you. You know, it it was one of those things. But but here's where I have a little bit of a gripe. Ninety nine point nine percent of the time when a goalkeeper hits the deck, regardless of what's happened whether his own centre half punches him in the head, Fred stands on him, or someone fells him, the referee. For most of the games I've seen, always blows the whistle. And we always say that the goalkeepers are overprotected. I mean, I'm sure you've been very frustrated about that, being a centre-back coming up for corners and free kicks. You can't even breathe on the keeper and the referee blows the whistle. Why didn't the referee blow the whistle in this case? That's that's the only bit of frustration yeah. I have. The only thing I could think is maybe because of how it happened and David Hayes obviously right at the back of a pack as it gets clear, he just mustn't have been able to see it. And then the only time I'm guessing the referee would have seen the hair on the floor is when the balls hit the net and it was just that weird sort of what's he weird, doing there <laughs> yeah weird noise and he's you could see the even the players reaction as they turn around it was almost like yeah what's he doing um and then i'm guessing obviously every goal gets checked doesn't it they've yeah. had a look at it you've seen it was his own player and there's just absolutely nothing wrong with the goal like like you and said. rightly so there was nothing, yeah, wrong, with no, there was nothing wrong with that in the heat of the moment, the heat of battle, when a goalkeeper normally hits the ground, and we know they use that a lot where they'll come out and they'll, you know, they know they're not going to get the balls or they'll flay their arms and throw them up in the air, pretend they've been, you know, noise. The referee always gives a free out. This was just very bizarre. And I'm, I'm on the same thing as you. The only the only reasoning that I can see is that he just didn't see it, yeah, you know. And he turned around, he seen the keeper on the ground and the ball in the net, and he was thinking, oh, God, what's going on here? And then he's gone to look at VAR and that's why he's called it. Yeah, but the protection they've got now, the, not the protection, but the, the good use the referees have got now is every everything goes to, every goal yeah. gets checked. So they would have looked at it clearly, obviously seen a keeper on the floor, seen what happened. His own players stood on him. Of all the players, huh? On the floor, yeah. But um, no, I, do you know what? I, I think he's done really well, Fred. Um, oh, he was. He was. Today, I thought he was really, really good. Um you know, and it just could be as simple as a new manager has a slight tweak in how he wants to play that just suits a player perfectly down to the ground. You know, it can be be that easy. He obviously gets a tough time uh, off the most of most of the fans, but you know, managers always pick him. Mourinho yeah. played him. Uh, Ollie's always pretty much. He's in the him. Brazil eleven every game. Yeah. So um, it must be doing. You know, <laughs> something that is a huge value to these to these top coaches and managers. 
Moving on to the Crystal Palace game and, and to start off with Fred, one of the things that I did notice about Fred's game is that over the past couple of games is he's, he is, tends to be a bit, bit more advanced uh, in midfield. He seems to be more involved that way. Um, is it as simple as that, as, as taking him from that really defensive-defensive midfield role and pushing him up slightly? Because his last two games, let's be honest. Now, we're looking at this from a Fred level. You know, we're not saying that he's 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 you know a Kante or a Makaleli. We're just saying from his from his level that he was at, he's definitely definitely improved. Now, you mentioned earlier on, still a few stray balls, and the coach mentioned that, the manager mentioned that in his press conference after he actually called it out. He said, Scotty and you know Fred. Basically, what he said was that they they passed a few square balls, and he doesn't like that. And that's one part of the game he's going to try and, you know, help them with. Um, music to my ears, because Fred is the biggest culprit for that. The hospital balls. He gives two or three every single game and you're baffled by it. You know, you're like, oh, listen, I didn't play football at any level. I played football, Sunday league, that was it. But everyone knows you don't give, you don't give, you know, square passes the way he does. And if you do it once, you're, 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 your head's so wrapped around it, you don't do it again. He does it two or three times a game. The manager called it out today, but music to my ears that the manager is is actually looking at that. Let's let's talk about Fred for the moment. Huge improvements, right? And then that goal, you know, I, I couldn't believe it. You know, I was like, what, what just... I would have loved to have seen your, uh, your reaction. It, it was like, obviously I'm waiting for you know, an offside, a flag, and he just hit it with, ah, screw it, I'll just hit it anyway. And then, like, an absolute rifle of a goal. Couldn't have put it any better. You know, let's talk, a, let's let's talk, a, let's, let's have some Fred time here for a moment. I, I think that you are, I think, with the new manager, and, and he's slightly, you know, slightly changing his role and moving him forward a little bit. I think that's helped him. I'm not saying that all of a sudden Fred's the best player in England. I'm just saying there's, there's a little bit of hope there. Would you agree? Yeah, yeah absolutely. And um, and it can be, you know, players, especially part of these top coaches, they do get, they will get specific instructions. So I think the way probably Ralph Ragnick wants to play the game, he wants to put, it's clear he wants to press much higher up the pitch. That will naturally advance the midfielders from where they are. So even if when Fred does pick the ball, if United win the ball, whereas in the past, say they win the ball midway through in the in their own half, <clears throat> If he if he gives it away in that area, it's closer to the United goal. The fans jeers louder. There's more panic. Whereas if he's 50, 60 yards high up the pitch in and around the opposition's box or halfway in their half, and you give it away there, it's not actually too bad. I say it's not too bad. Obviously, you don't want to give it away, but there's a lot more. It's, there's less panic. Obviously, there's the natural frustration. Yeah. But it looks to me clearly that the managers obviously said to him, "Look, I don't want you to to sit in alongside Scott. I know you want to be at." sort of number six player as you like it with the two midfielders but you you could have a bit more of a license maybe to to press high of the pitch and um and you know that that might suit Fred down to the ground that might you know I've never seen him play for Brazil I'll be honest but he might play a similar role for Brazil maybe and it just suits him like I say but I always feel Fred <clears throat> Fred's at his best and we spoke about this before Dave in a Man City away yeah. uh, he was outstanding one year a couple of years back in the Liverpool games he always seems to do well it's almost like when he struggles when the onus is on him as a, as a deep line central midfield player yep. to play cute, intricate passes, uh, thread balls through. When teams defend deep and get men, a lot of men behind the ball and he's, he's he's sort of coming onto the game, he's got sort of nine, ten players to break down when he's on the ball. That's always seems to be when he struggles. So when, you know, now he's playing a more higher 
high energetic game further up the pitch and that might not be his 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 role or his job then you eliminate their mistakes and all of a sudden you're looking at a, a much better Fred switching to the um the fullbacks um Tellers and uh Delot had an absolutely fantastic game today they played well in midweek are we looking at a situation now where you know I know it's healthy to have you know some kind of challenge to your position because Wambasaka and Luke Sharp had no challenges at all over the past year and a half. They got rewarded for poor performances. Now that said, Luke Shaw has has been immense up until the start of this season when he came back in the Euros. And you and I discussed this in the previous show. He looks tired. He looks, you know, he just doesn't look the same player. Now that there's pressure on them, um, are we going to see, you know, I mean, how, how difficult is it going to be for those two guys to get back in now? Well, I don't think for the next game, he- they probably do. The only thing I would say on that is the way, again, the new manager seems to have the, his new style of play is going to be really, there's going to be a lot more sprints, a lot more high intensity running. They're uh, going to be pressing a lot higher up the pitch. I do think that'll suit Luke Shaw's game. I think I remember him when he first came and played for Southampton, when he first came to United before he had that tough injury. That's what he was. You know, you can see him yeah. sprinting down the left hand side, making overlaps, uh, really attacking. That That's his game, that's his strength. Um, Obviously, you know, Mourinho hung him out to dry many a times about his defensive capabilities. Yeah. But I think the credit to the two full-backs who are in the team at the minute, Tellez and, and uh, Diego Dalot, both playing really, really well. Um, and I think what a new that's what a new manager can do. When a new manager comes in, it's a clean slate for a lot of these players. So these them two players haven't played a lot of football under Ali. All of a sudden, the new guy comes in, It's he's the making first impressions. You know what it's like in any job. Yeah. Right? Someone comes in and you've got to, you get a chance and nothing whatever's gone before is, is irrelevant now and um credit to them i'm sure their, their family and the manager's plans now for short term and long term uh, after i mean alanga time. alanga come on today um i mean he just got dropped straight in and, and he came on so you know that line in the sand um my only my only hope is that when they draw that line they actually go around phil jones and then continue the line um so uh, I'm not a big feel. I, you know, I just I feel for the guy. I think his confidence is gone. I don't think I think putting him into the Manchester United team right now is not going to do him any good whatsoever. Um, I, I think he's going to be. It'll destroy him. I think he just needs to. I, I'm not even sure whether he he could manage at another manage another Premier League team. I think, you know, unfortunately for Phil Jones, I think he needs to drop down the Championship and try and regain some confidence to get back into it. I do believe at some point he could play in a Premier League team again, but I think if he came back into Manchester United's team now, he, whatever confidence he's built up will get completely ravished by, you know, by playing uh, in the first team and especially with our current problems. Um, and speaking of current problems at the back, um, we have Harry Maguire and uh, Lindelof. Uh, we're pretty solid today, but there's always that fear, you know, um, do we just keep motoring the way we are until we can get Varane back? I mean, it's yeah, I think you it's, no, it's just so dangerous. Yeah, no, I think you have to. I think, um, well, maybe the new manager might like to look at Bay with his bit more pace, bit more athleticism, yeah. maybe for this for this how you know if the team's going to be pressing high, that'll automatically bring the back four a lot higher. Uh, we know that Lindelof and Maguire. Um, aren't blessed with pace, um, but obviously, like I say, the manager will be looking at this in training. I think Rafa Varane, obviously, is, he's him and Van Dijk are the best two centre backs in the world, just in my opinion. Um, so I think when he, he he's going to play when he's fifth, I don't think there's any doubt about that. I think he'd be the number one choice. I know Maguire's captain, and he's got a much bigger price tag, but you know, based on the CV, based on their attributes, I think Varane is um, 
is, is the number one choice for what he's done in the game. I think he'll solve solve a lot of issues again with his, his physical stature, his athleticism, uh, his experience. Um, but yeah, no credit credit to the two lads today. I thought they played well. It's a clean sheet. That's huge for the uh, confidence of defenders as well. So yeah, I think for the time being, keep motoring on. And um, you know, it's not been great between a pair over the last couple of seasons. Uh, I, I do think they're both very, very good players. I just don't think both of them together sort of complement each other. Whereas I think Varane, with his pace and his, his experience playing with Ian, he's just he just. I mean, he's a Rolls Royce of a centre back, isn't he? He just. He's just there at the right time, at the right moment. He he can just read a game so well. He knows where the striker's going to go. He knows where the ball's going to go. And there's not many players, like you said, you know, Van Dijk. There's, there's one or two of them out there that just, you know, he reminds me a lot of, of uh, Paul McGrath in regard to his positional sense. He just knows where the ball's going to be and he's going to be there. It's, that's experience, isn't it? That's experience. It is. The, the amount of what's he won four Champions League, three Champions Leagues, yeah, in the La, La Liga, World Cup with France. You know, you, you can't buy that experience. Let's move up the pitch a little bit, um, and and discuss Marcus Rashford for a minute. Um, Marcus Rashford last year played with with you know with shoulder injury, and you you know you you uh you gave us a good some good feedback on that a few shows back about you know when especially at that level. If your shoulders at you, any part is at you, and you're you're carrying pain in a game, it can it can definitely affect you. He's had the he's had the surgery. He's come back. Um, I'll be honest with you, Marcus Rashford for me still his decision making. You know, for a player that's been in the first team four or five years now, his decision making is still very poor. But one thing that he's he's actually you know unfortunately brought to his game this season seems to be he gets cut offside a lot, like a lot. Um, is it is it the fact that you know? Set, you know, defenders are just getting you know wise to him, and and they know he's going to hang on that last you know second because you know we, he's a he's a pacey forward. He's waiting for that ball to be whipped over. He hasn't been the Marcus Rashford we've seen in the past. Mm. I mean, what's your what's your views on Marcus Rashford? Does he even does he even deserve you know a starting a starting place in this team right now? Jaden Sancho, 60, 70 minutes today. I thought it was very unfortunate to come off. I really did. I, he, I thought he had a fantastic game. Um, but I understood why he came off, because there's a balance there. Um, is Rashford lucky to be getting into this team at the moment, now that Greenwood is back? Yeah, maybe so. Um, I think one of the problems with Rashford would be, with that injury, he's missed pre-season. And listen, yeah. any, any football player will tell you, if you miss pre-season, it's just so, so difficult, because you're always playing catch-up with your fitness levels. And I think that would probably play a part in his decision-making because you'd mentally be tired because he's physically tired. When you, when you get physically tired and your fitness levels aren't up to scratch, your concentration levels go a bit, your focus goes a bit, you know, this might play a part in, in his, that split, especially at that top level, it's split second decisions, isn't it? And things happen so fast. Um, it could be affecting him ever so slightly because when he's, Everyone else is doing the full preseason. They're playing the first few games of the season. They're getting preseason games. At now, they're all at the top ultimate fitness levels. But it's because he's missed all that. Yeah, he's he. He might not look it, but mentally and physically, he'll be quite a lot behind. Really, I'm sure he's a fit lad. I'm sure he looks after himself. He's got a great physique. Yep. But that that running in your lungs and that fitness, then play that rhythm of playing games week in week out. He'll be lacking in that. Now, I think that'll play a part in his in his confidence in his um it's test definitely in his decision making because like I say when you when you get physically tired your concentration levels go ever so slightly and, and at the top level that's that's one of the biggest things for me concentration. Cristiano Ronaldo didn't score today. Um, what an outrage! You know, yeah. the problem child didn't score today, but 
one thing that he brought to his game today, and, and we've seen, as, as you said earlier on, we've seen it in parts against Arsenal, but today even more so, is, and we talked about this only last week, and we are discussing with Wayne that Ronaldo is not the pressing player, never was, never has been. Now, all of a sudden, he is that type of pressing centre forward. Um, is is this something he can bring to his game at 26 years of age? Because today he was really impressive. He was all over the park. Yeah. You know, that final tour, anytime anyone, anyone got the ball, your defender, the keeper, he was on them, he was on them, he was on them. Um, we did talk about this, though, saying that it could take a little bit of spark out of his game in that 89th minute where, you know, he 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 rushes in, you know, and gets ahead of the striker because he's conserved his energy for it, you know, throughout the game. But today, the pressing game didn't seem to pass by him at all. No, it's been a, it's been amazing, really, hasn't it? You know, like for all what we said last week, like you say, um, but we're only going off what we've seen in the past. Well, his whole career, yeah. you know, he's never he never was that player at Man United. He certainly wasn't that player at Real Madrid. Though people will argue and say Spanish football is completely different. No one really played. Only sort of Pep Guardiola's Barcelona teams really pressed like that. Um, at Real Madrid. In the Spanish league, especially, they probably got sixty percent, seventy percent of possession most weeks. So he probably doesn't need to do that. Similar at Juventus, and you know maybe you know there's no doubt if he's pressing all of a sudden at thirty six, how this manager will want him to press. It will definitely take a little spark out of his game because he hasn't done it like we say for what fifteen years, ten years, fifteen years. So I I'd be amazed if um if if he can keep that maximum concentration that them sharp level sharpness up because he, he's been that good a player and i said it last week it's the same as messi they just they can save their energy for the decisive moments they want to be the players who make the difference and, and right that's why they've been the two best players because they constantly make the difference in the biggest games and they're always they're always fresh they're never tired and yeah. that comes a slight detriment to the this you know, everyone's making a big fuss about the pressing, but he, he's never done that. But like you say, off the back of the last two games, he is doing it. And it's like, wow, he's 36. Oh, I'm here. It's well, yeah, it's, it's you know, everyone knows how well he looks after himself and his physique and his diet and his recovery and all that. It's just, it's incredible, really. But, um, you know, what, what, he'll, he'll adapt to the training regime under the new manager. And it might just be as simple as the manager might just be having to say to him, look, listen, this is how showing video clips possibly of teams of how he's managed how they play this is what my striker does this is what you've got to do to, to play in my team and would you think he's concerned about Cavani because you know Cavani is that he's the ideal striker for that type of play no, I, I don't think Ronaldo strikes me as the type of person who's not concerned about anybody anyone. probably except Messi but even that he's probably that confident in himself that he, he believes well we know he believes he's the best in the world Um, so I think he'll have that arrogance in a good way and that belief that he, he's the number one striker and, and that's that. No doubts about it. Moving on to the next couple of weeks, um, and I don't want to be disrespectful to any of the teams that we're going to be playing, but Rangnick has come in at a perfect time for him as a manager. Nice. Yeah, seen it earlier. I'm looking at, we got young boys on, you know, we, we have a dead rubber on Wednesday, but, you know, you always want to win that. Then we're away to Norwich, we're away to Brentford. You know, the Christmas period has been kind to us in regard to teams, home to Brighton, way to Newcastle, home to Burnley, home to Wolves. I, I don't want to say none of these are tough games, but the, the toughest game I can see on the horizon, there's two. Uh, Newcastle away because, you know, they're starting to not hit a bit of form, but they've a new manager. 
there's a lot of pressure on them to get some wins. That's always a tough place to go anyway. <clears throat> and Aston Villa against Slippy G um, on January 15th. That's probably, like I said, no disrespect to any of the other teams. Yeah. But he's coming at the right time. Um, mm. Is it the right time that he's coming in? That's the question. I mean, we got a lot of games over. I've I, I seen that fixture there. I think it was yesterday. I've seen his run of games. And I don't think if you were to wish for a, a run of fixtures to come in yeah. as Man United manager, I don't think you get much better, really. Yeah. You know, he's not playing any of the top sides. He's not, obviously, Liverpool, City are out the way. He's, he's Arsenal. It's probably actually timed it, so he didn't take that Arsenal game. So he's got a, um, he's got a really nice run. So the CV will look great after, well, hopefully after the, them them fixtures are over. But like I say, if you could design or wish for a run of fixtures, um, you know, he'd be absolutely delighted. He'd be made up that the the young boy games is dead rubber. He'd be able to maybe experiment or it's, it's sort of like a free game to, to implement yeah. his ideas again, even more so into the players. Um, and also one thing I do want to say, when I watched this interview, and I'm sure everyone listening would have watched it as well, he just spoke, he come across so well, didn't he? he? He's come across so intelligent and so well and so clear. And, you know, I, I was watching it. He just spoke with so much conviction of, of he's so clear in, in what he wants. And um, German yeah. mentality, though, I mean, most, you know, most German yeah. people can communicate very well and it's it's black mm -hmm. and white. That's it. Um, but I think I think what I got from that as well as the, the follow up on yours is and I want to talk about this United philosophy in a minute um, was that he, he, he and this is no disrespect to Ollie or, or Michael Carragher or any of those guys that come out. It was the same rhetoric every week. The boys are disappointed. We'll go again. We'll do this. We'll do that. Whereas this guy just, it, it was like being set, sat down and educated for 45 minutes or so about how football should be played. Are we getting overexcited about this? Or are we just, listen, we haven't had this in many years. Mm. You know, Van Hall really had talked a good press conference. Jose spent his blaming everyone. And David Moyes was like a deer in the headlights, you know. Um, so with this this guy, it's just like, he just, you are right. You can just, you can listen to him, can't you? Yeah, it just, he just sat there, his order about him. Uh, it just spoke with such intelligence and conviction for me. That there to the two words I'd say really coming away from it is yeah he just like you say when he spoke football you just thought yeah this fella he knows, he, knows. What he, gets yeah, it. he gets it yeah he's got a clear idea when he spoke about the you've you should we've seen interviews of him in the past and he speaks about the five ways of football of in possession out what you do with the ball what you do without the ball defensive and offensive transitions and set pieces and it's it's spot on you know and um it's like he said about control and you've got to train the players' minds and phys uh, physical attributes and of how he wants to play. And that, that'll take time. He, I'm sure he's getting to win. Yeah. Um, and he, he's got also got to try and get the, the current coaches to um, to implement his ideas. He's got to sort of coach them of how he wants the, the lads to train and, and get his ideas across. But yeah, it's been a great start for him. And like I say, uh, the fixtures have been, been very, very kind for him. One of the things that he did say before we move on to the, the DNA question that I have you, one of the things that he did say that pleased me was he said that, you know, a, a club should be made up of a structure of signings and you team. It, one shouldn't cancel out the other. I mean, that must be music to the years for those guys that are knocking on the door. I mean, we got some really Alanga, Hannibal, these guys that, you know, are knocking on the door to get into that team are going all of a sudden, okay, so this manager wants to promote from within as well as bring in, you know, because we're not idiots. You can't just, long are gone the, the days of like the class of 92 or bringing people through like, you know, Frank Lampard, Rio Ferdinand, Steven Gerrard. 
all in that whole era, you know, because because the tentacles reach out so far around the world, you know, you're bringing in a lot of other players from overseas and stuff. But I was really happy to hear that that he 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 basically said that you know it's not mutually exclusive that you know it's not that you basically you don't just do like what what a you know city do they go out and they buy everyone they can and we're we're, we're led to believe that they have the best academy but yet you see nothing coming through nothing at all with with the exception of Foden that's really it you know mm-hmm. everyone else they bought um, I'm happy to hear that because, and I'm not one of these nostalgic people to go, oh, Manchester United, we always have to have players coming through to you. No, we have good players that need to come through if they're good enough and they can be given the chance. And when they get that chance, to take that chance. I think we've got a crop of very young players at the moment that I think are more than capable of stepping up. Now, you know better than anyone that playing in reserve football and then playing for the first team is a massive leap. I'm just glad that he said that I'm open to that as much as I am to signing players. What What did you think of those comments? Yeah, well, I, I think that goes hand in hand with about what you're going to say about the what is the Man United DNA, and that's a huge, huge part of it. Um, like I agree with your point that I don't think it'll ever happen again. The class of '92, especially in the modern day, where you get that yeah. many, you know, what was it, five, six players all coming in, being first team regulars within the first six months of being coming up from the youth team. That 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 won't happen. Um, anywhere in the world really uh, I know Barcelona have got a great academy and a great record of playing academy players but not even they put that many players from the same youth team you, you think of like the Busby Babes that era Smap Busby and, and the youth players Duncan Edwards obviously Ferguson he he followed that on with not just the class of 92 but you know so many other players you know you go the list is endless of players not might not make it as Man United regulars but the, the players who had um, had careers um, in the game, whether that be Premier League, Championship, down the lower leagues, um, yep. you know, it, it's incredible, really, and that's what I think. There's no doubt the production line at Man United is um, is better than any other club by far. I, I believe in the country, um, and yet it was refreshing, refreshing for them to, to say that and enforce that. And like you say, if you were a young player at that club now, you'd be rubbing your hands together. Do you know yeah, what I mean? yeah, you're on cloud nine. Um, oh, you'd be turning up early. You'd be doing all you could to impress him to, to get. Yeah, because now you know you have a chance. You know, because as we know, sometimes when a manager comes in, Mourinho was a prime example of that. Even though Mourinho, you know, he listed out all the players that he started. We all knew Mourinho's only focus was the first team. That's all it was. First yeah. time, and that was it. Um, I'm glad that we know. You know, Oli was was a big believer because I mean, you you he coached you. He was your manager at Manchester United. Um, he's a big believer in the academy, and this is the thing that 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 he won't get credit for right away. Oli Gunnar Solskjaer is that he's left a really really solid foundation there for the next manager. I think we we discussed this on air and off air that the the, the fruits of his labor really won't be seen for another couple of years mm-hmm. because he came in and. It, the whole house was born to the ground and he had to build it up from the inside. So he doesn't get the credit for that because people, it's it's a results business. You know, it's the only job people think you have is, is the first team. But at Manchester United, when he came in, because of what Mourinho did, he had two jobs to do. He had to build a club back up internally and then he had to build it on the pitch. And that's that's where I want to change over to, to, the, to the DNA question. Um, and it's going to be split in two here because we just talked about the DNA within the club, which is to promote from within. I understand that part. But Patrice Everett came out uh, with a quote during the week saying that he's confused why Manchester United basically brought in Rangnick. You know, we have a DNA at Manchester United of how we're playing. Now we're going to be playing this pressing game. That's not Manchester United. That's not the DNA. I 
I took a personal offense to that. I'm like, well, what is an on-pitch DNA these days? You know, football has changed and evolved mm. so much in the past 20 years that if you don't evolve with it, you're gone. It's it's why Arsene Wenger quit. You know, he said it. He said he just the game had gone. It had changed so much that he just had enough. Alex Ferguson, if he was being truthful, he probably would say that the game has completely changed. Players are much harder to control. You know, people that are on 200 grand a week are hard to motivate. I get that. But the style of play on the pitch, it's not its not exclusive to attack, attack, attack for Manchester United, right? Not nowadays. No, no, I, I com- completely agree. And on the DNA, United are probably one of the only clubs where they're quite lucky and it's it's without with, through the great managers it stays reasonably consistent it was only when obviously Ferguson left but that was Ferguson's DNA it was only Ferguson Matt Busby and a couple of managers in between who had that you know Man City's DNA isn't Tiki Taka Pep Guardiola that's Pep Guardiola's DNA you know, Liverpool of the past in the 80s and the successful Liverpool teams wasn't the same DNA as Jürgen Klopp today yeah yeah. You know, it's like you say, so I completely agree with what you say. Football moves on. You've got to move with the times. And the challenge for Man United is, and that's what I think that's why Ferguson has been so so successful and such a great manager is he moved with the times, but he never, he, he was always on top. So whether yeah. that was, you know, I'm sure when he coached, first started, even at the start of my career, really, most teams played 4-4-2, pretty direct. Now all of a sudden you've got a team playing three at the back, um, four three three, four two three one. It's confusing it's, at times. Yeah, no, but but that's just how it's gone, and that, you know it's not not for the. I think it's better, you know, um, different tactical styles, uh, how teams playing out from the you know yeah. the introduction of team of centre backs going into the box. That's a change to the game. So I don't think you can just be. Is it a bit lazy thinking? I think I'm with you. I think you've got it. Um, the game's clearly moved on. You've got to, you've got to move with the time, with the times. And Wayne brings up a good point. Busby, Doherty, Ferguson, all three historically entertaining eras. Um, all different systems and style. Closest comparison between Doc and Fergie's four four two seventy seven to ninety four. I would agree with that. You know, it's it's and 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 it was the, the exact point you were making is that you know we've only had a couple of managers throughout the years that you know, throughout the decades that have kind of played that very similar football. Mourinho was, and Mourinho was a don't don't lose was his DNA. Yeah, exactly. And that's why it never really got, because, again, United have always, and Ferguson especially, if you score three, we'll score four. You know, yeah. we've got to attack, but attack with pace, crosses in the box, getting people off the seats. Mourinho was get one nil. That was how he's always coached that Chelsea, Inter Milan, Real Madrid. Maybe Real Madrid has got a slight exception, but he had an unbelievable yeah. squad. Um, but that's just that was his style, especially in the Premier League. Even with Tottenham, you know, we've seen it after United. So, you know, that never quite fit to what would you would say would be the Man United DNA. But yeah, no, you've got to move at a time. You've got to maybe adapt it slightly. But what on Ever's um, Ever's quote about pressing? Man United pressed under Alex Ferguson. Yeah. I remember quote saying that. Without the ball, you'd have to be like a, a or I'm, in fact, I actually remember Oli Gunnar Solskjaer telling us in a reserve game once that the, the boss, obviously Sir Alex Ferguson, used to say to him, um, how obviously with the ball you've got an attack, crossing the box, get the ball wide, pace or energy, all that stuff. But if you can press like a League Two team off the ball, then you, we've got no worries whatsoever. So United have always pressed. <laughs> you think David Beckham, Giggs, 
Paul Ince, Brian Robson, Keane. I think they didn't think they sat deep. And of course, no, no, no. times in a game where you have to. You have yeah. on top. But the main, the main, um, the main priority for all them players and teams is to be on the front foot to get in the opposition's face and press. Just the, the terminology changed now, Dave. That's what a lot of it is. Gagan press and high press. This was closing down 15 years ago and, and getting in people's faces. It's just the uh, people use fancy words now, and it's just all it means all the same stuff. Well, for the first 20, 25 minutes today, it was it was as you know, it was relentless with United. It was just attacking. It wasn't attacking. It was just press, press, press. They kept getting the ball back. It was it was very pleasing and very you know, it was nice to watch. But obviously, we know that you can't do that for 90 minutes. You just no. can't. I mean, you. I can see Manchester United again to a stage where they can maybe do it for the first 50 or 60 minutes, get up to that level of of, of fitness. But to expect that for 90 minutes is not going to happen. And, and you know, I can see maybe a situation where, boy, we get to it. We get to a place where we try and we try and score a couple of goals within that, you know, 50, 60 minutes. And then we revert back to, you know, defending that lead, that one, two, three nil or whatever it is. That's how I can see this team developing. I don't see this thing. And I've seen it on social media about the press, the press, the press. I'm like, that's not possible for 90 minutes. It, it really isn't. There's not, you, I don't think you can actually get a, you know, a team to be that fit to press for 90 minutes. It makes no sense. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of cooling my jets on, on, on the excitement of all that. But, you know, we've, we've had a really shitty time this season so far. And it, it's good to be, you know, two, games in a row now we've won both games we were on a, a nice little run we are right now you know the Chelsea game we could have snuck it in the end we could have won it you know um it felt to Fred um you know the only one that the only one that wanted that ball to fall to Fred were the Chelsea team uh, so <laughs> we're on a nice little run now um but the one thing I wanted to just jump in here as well with you know what we're talking about DNA is um uh, on, on our channel uh, talk of the devils uh, Wayne and uh, Paddy Barkley actually have a series now of of looking back through, you know, uh, all the way through the decades. They started off in, in in Wayne's decade when he was born in the 40s. Um, he's not on today, so we can't say anything about that. Um, so he says, evening, guys. Hope you're well on the DNA thing. The history series I'm doing with Paddy Barkley on the channel has a corker of a quote in a few episodes. No spoiler. So. If you guys haven't seen it, it's phenomenal. Get on there. You know, it'll teach you so much about Manchester United down through the decades. And, and Wayne has done an absolutely phenomenal job on and, and doing that series with Paddy. And we're, we're always grateful for Paddy's time as well. So I just wanted to chip in there and let you know that he was born in the 40s as well. Um, so moving on, uh, what's your expectations? We've only been in this for two games. We, we f- Football fans are the most fickle in the world. I'm, I'm I don't have to tell you that. You hear it every week when you're playing. One minute you're great, the next you're the shittiest player in the world. I mean, you t- you spoke about your time at Leeds United. All of you're great, you're great, and all of a sudden, you know, Leeds are losing, and it's all your fault because you play for Manchester United. As you can see, I'm a little bit jolly. You've probably seen from my text, I'm a little bit happy because that's where I am with Manchester United. Um, it's highs and lows. It, it, it's a great start. It's a great run. What would you be happy with, you know, at season's end with with this team and with this manager, I think you've got to you've got to try you've got to try and win the FA Cup. I think it'll be tough for them to win the Champions League, but it's doable. You don't have to look at Chelsea last year. I do yeah. think the United squad is Cup competition. Yeah, I do think United squad is, is still a very very good squad. Um, you know, you think about people like Anthony Martial, who splits opinion, but there's no doubt on his quality. Um, he obviously hasn't produced the consistency, but he's not even getting talked about at the minute. Um, I think if they could win win the cup, 
FA Cup or Champions League would be incredible and a top four finish I think would be from where they are where he picked up the team I think would be an unbelievable season I think you you said Champions League and FA Cup <clears throat> and, and no, I, he, won't I, win both. he won't win both sorry one of them <laughs> no I, I want to ask this question as, as, as a professional footballer yourself I have my own opinion about what I regard as the main trophies Okay, for me, it's the league, for me, it's the FA Cup, and for me, then it's the Champions League because I think the Champions League has been so watered down over the years that it's just because it, you're supposed to say that the team that wins it is the best team in Europe. But let's be honest, Chelsea weren't the best team in Europe last year. It's a cup competition, anything can happen. There's years when teams win it, and you shake your head, you go, well, How did they win it? Um, so for me, it's always been the league is the pinnacle. You win your own league, but if you win your own league in Spain and and you know in in England, I think it's it's far harder than winning it in France and in Italy. In place, although Italy has its own competition right now. In what order would you would you put you know trophies? I think I would go. I think league, because I think that's where you get your consistency over thirty plus games. Yep. Like you say, the other two cup competitions. But I think in the current day, I would go Champions League second, FA Cup third, personally. From from a from a um, I don't know. I think I think I'd need to split. It's from it's from like a um, reward standpoint. The Champions League is obviously better than the FA Cup. But for me, historically, my yeah. FA Cup is my thing. That's I think it's possibly a generational thing. Like you yeah. said, you grow up. I just think the FA Cup now. I'm not going to say it's it's lost its way because it is it is such an amazing it's the best domestic cup competition in the world for sure. But you see a lot of teams now the the, the attendances are down. Um, Do you think though over recent years it's started to come back? Because you know I would definitely agree with you. Three or four years ago when they started to you know it, it was all about Champions League. That's all it was because of the money. But I definitely have seen a change over the past season or two with the FA Cup teams are starting to take it a lot more serious, which is for me is a shame. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I agree. Like I say, I do think teams should take it more serious, but, you know, I'm only going off what I've seen. You see, I'm not going to say teams treat it like the League Cup, but you do see a decent amount of, you know, in the League Cup, all the Premier League teams basically make 11 changes, really, don't they? Um, the teams use it as a bit of players who aren't playing, need a yeah, game. Keep them happy. Um, and I, I think what you said there about the money, in the, I think the money in the Champions League has just elevated that now to such a such an important competition and such a pre- prestigious one. With you know, you look at it like the, the clubs who are constantly always in the Bayern Munich, Barcelona, Real Madrid's. Uh, you get something like two hundred fifty thousand a point in the Champions League stage. I think that's the money. Yeah, so, so, so for every win, it, it's something like seven hundred fifty grand. It's huge, isn't it? It's it's actually yeah. huge. So. Um, yeah, not always good though, you know, because it, it does bring its own problems when when the focus is taken off the FA Cup and you know for teams that are in England and places like that to, to, to go in their Champions League. But um, bad time with Vaughan asked as you a question: What medal would you prefer in your table, Champions League or FA Cup? I think you've answered that. You've said yeah, the Champions League. League. Comfortably the Champions League. FA Cup for me. I could buy a Champions League medal off eBay. So, <laughs> um, so um, to, to wrap this up. Uh, you're into the next round of the FA Cup. The draw is on tomorrow, I believe, at noon time here. So eight o'clock, I believe, Monday. You're number forty-eight. Um, 
home draw against Manchester United, away draw against Manchester United. What would be your preferred if you were given the choice, home or no, away? No brainer, Up, away, hundred percent. Old Trafford, easy. That'll be some game. It's gonna happen. I'm telling you, it's gonna happen. You're either gonna get them, or you're gonna get Liverpool. That's what I see. Would the family be happy with Liverpool? Um, no, not probably not. Because <laughs> I know you. I, I think you said your granddad and the pan, your dad, both Everton fans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. So they'll, they'll definitely be in the away end. It was at Anfield. That's yeah. the way Everton are going at the minute. I think we might have a decent chance against Everton actually. Yeah, my God, yeah. The, the director yeah. of football, I think, is quitting today. So I just you know, yeah. Yeah, so, um, but in the league, having a bit of a tough time. Um, yeah, no, who, uh, yeah. Who have you guys yeah. got up next? We've got Sunderland uh, on Tuesday, which is um, obviously a huge game. Stadium of Light, top, top stadium. Um, only in the Premier League, you know, not so long ago. So, yeah. shows you that it's a, you know, it's a good league, it's a tough league. You've got Wigan, Ipswich, uh, Charlton, uh, Sunderland. You know, got Sheffield Wednesday, got some Wednesday. huge yeah. clubs in in the division. So uh, no, it'll be a good game, but you know they're in League One as well for a reason. So um, the, the gap between the, the difference in quality is, isn't isn't like the Premier League. Let's say you know yeah. you got the, the sort of three at the minute who are, who are not running away with it, but it look like they're going to contest the Premier League. Um, then you obviously got your Arsenal, United, West Ham's, and then there's a huge gap I would say between say a Burnley, Newcastle, Norwich, whereas League One. There is a gap, of course, but it's nowhere near as, as big as um, as big as the Premier League. I'll say the Championship. I mean, the Championship be yeah. You'll get one, maybe one team that will be stand out, but then you know, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, all the way down to even twelve, thirteen. There's there's only a handful of games in the difference, mm. um, and that's why it's always very difficult to get out of the Championship. And that's why when Premier League teams go down there, they don't always automatically come back up because it, you know, number one, they're a scalp. And number two, it's 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 just it's a lot tougher down there, and and the teams that are around them, like you said, the gap isn't as wide in regard to how good they are. But big so, game against Sunderland. Like you say, we we've got Sunderland on Tuesday, and you think Sunderland in League One, they should they should have got out. I think this is their third season, third or fourth yeah. season in League One, and it's just never that easy. Like you say, for the them exact reasons, it's everyone's biggest game. Uh, you go into the Stadium of Lights, it's a Premier League ground, really. Um, so it's your it's your biggest game of the season, probably. Everyone probably raises the game. It's never that easy. The football's different. It's more of a scrap, you know. So yeah, it's, it's like you say, it's never that easy. So I'm sure this is Sunderland's. Must be the third year. I'm sure it is. Maybe the fourth. I believe year. it is second or third year for definite. Yeah, yeah so, definitely is. Um, all right, Scott. I won't keep you any longer on this. On your, um, I appreciate you coming on as usual. Um, Again, anyone that's listening, watching in, we appreciate it. We appreciate the questions, you know, um, people on Twitter uh, looking in. Um, if you haven't subscribed, please subscribe. Myself and Scott would definitely appreciate it. Um, not sure about next week. Um, my son has his referees course next week. So I may not be around uh, on the Sunday, um, but we'll try and figure something out anyway for next weekend. Scott. Best of luck this week, um, even Thanks. more so tomorrow. When the, I'm just so anticipating this draw tomorrow. I just have a, I have a feeling it's going to happen. I really do. I really do. And if not, I hope you get a home draw against, you know, a team division or, you know, lower down to give you another chance at that. But, you know, in order for – you can't be wishing for Manchester United to win the FA Cup because then that eliminates you guys. So I'll be wishing for you guys <laughs> to win the FA Cup. So, um, again, thanks, everyone, for joining in. I appreciate it. And uh, have the good uh, rest of your evening. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. 
Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.